Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Home Bake Takes. What is going on, guys? We are back with another episode. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I just, every time I get here with you and with our audience, I'm just so excited. I'm just overwhelmed with energy to be here. It's a great time. I feel like we we have a, every time we come here, we have a great time. We do. It's true. And, of course, we also have a third person here with us today yes. to make our time even better. A previous member of the show, or guest of the show, I should say, uh, Benjamin Kennard, welcome. Hello, hello. Welcome, Benjamin. You know that they Greetings. say the more the merrier. Mm-hmm. We had you here before for our um, episode where we basically recounted our horrible childhood experiences. It was very mm-hmm. traumatic. I'm it was still having traumatic. nightmares about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have nightmares about your experiences because they were just that vivid. So. Mm. I'm, I'm glad I was such a good storyteller. Yeah, yes, your water you... park stories still stick with me to this day. Mm-hmm. I never want to go on a, a lazy river again. Not after that episode. That was, that, that was episode way. number four, by the way. If you're, mm. you you want to go and check that out, that was four. That was number four. Wow, that was the number good four. old days. Mm. So speaking of past episodes, um, in one of our last episodes, we talked about video games. Our literal last episode. Our literal last episode. Yes. We talked about video games, and you mentioned Pop Tropica, mm-hmm. which was a childhood game. A childhood game of ours. Yeah, and I played it. The you other did. Day. I played it the other day. I was I was tried it out. I hadn't played it in probably a decade. Wow. And well, probably not that long. Maybe like <laughs> a few years. And but you actually it, played it again. I actually played it again. I logged on, and it was you know it was like it was like a tornado had rolled through. That's what I'm and, saying. And took all of the good islands. Man, it was honestly just really depressing to look around and try to find reality TV TV island to no avail. Mm. That was my favorite. That and the Spy Island. Yeah, yes. those two. Right. That's yeah. what we're saying. Exactly. It's a wasteland. It is. It's of, just it's a barren, desolate desert now. It's a wasteland of trying to get money from their users, and they just lost. Every, they lost their soul. Oh, is it a is it a payment thing now? I think so. I, I don't think, know. I mean, there's definitely like a premium that you can mm-hmm. pay to really of unlock things. Yeah, and it's so laggy and everything. But you know, games like games like that. You know, we were talking about last episode. Really, I think almost defined our our homeschool life and our our, our young our young childhood. Right. And when I think about things that define a lot of people's lives, one of the things that comes to my mind are like horoscopes, right? Like mm. people sometimes live their lives by horoscopes. Like I don't understand people like astrology people, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. And I feel like a lot of like Christian communities don't really accept astrology because it almost feels like witchcraft in mm-hmm. a way. But I feel like we can't pretend like we don't have our own version of horoscope sometimes. You know, and I think one of those that I see sometimes and almost sometimes can act like a horoscope is like personality types. Is that just me? Oh, yeah. Mm. No, I, I that that is Maybe definitely true. Bit. It's kind of like our our version of, you know, trying to pin down who we are, trying to figure out our identity, I guess. It feels good when someone can tell you things about yourself that you'd never really put words to. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I recognize that. That sounds familiar. It mm. resonates with me. It's just, it's just kind of a unique experience. Yeah, it's nice to have to like go through a test and feel like you're learning things about yourself, even though sometimes those things can be pretty just general truths about people as a whole. Are there any personality mm. types that you guys like use a lot, or that you your families or circles that you've grown up in have used a lot? Well, um, I would say with our family in particular. I mean, Benjamin and I are brothers. For those who don't know, <laughs> forever. Um, yeah, forever and ever, we're bonded. So um, cute. And I would say, yeah, that was a fist bump. We can we nope. get for the audio. Can that we was get the audio bump. just for the. 
That, oh, that was good. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I would say uh, we've been we've been around the Enneagram um, mm. test a lot, um, and I've, we're we're pretty familiar with that. And um, you know, obviously, there's there's many many other kinds, but um, I'd say that's probably the one I'm probably more familiar with than, than other ones. And I think that the Enneagram in particular, it's for those who don't know, the Enneagram is split up into nine types. And it sort of measures motivations as opposed to kind of identi- identifying personality traits, hmm. um, which kind of differs from other personality types or personality assessments, which is, I think, what I like about it because hmm. um, it's kind of different. Um, but I would say, yeah, there's definitely that the Enneagram has been pretty influential. Influential. Yeah. Influential and prevalent in my life. I don't know about you, Benjamin, if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just I've picked up things about it because I've heard people talking about them and asking questions. And um, my dad is the same number. We're mm. both. Should I say what it is? Go for it. Yeah, of course. We're we're both fives. He has a different wing than I do, uh, but it's it's interesting because he's certified in it, and he so he has all of this knowledge, and that's part of what fives value knowledge. And so I hear him talking about it, and my mom's interested in it, and mm. so they they just kind of ask questions about me and so i've kind of picked up some things about it could you could you describe five as like the archetype like what that really is because honestly i'm not super familiar with the enneagram Mm -hmm. i know technically what my type is but what is what is a five i forget what it's called i think it's called the investigator is the okay so the the five the five is the investigator um and so the investigator is very focused on knowledge on thought on what's rational I'm a very rational person and I also like to have time to ponder things, think things over. Mm. So it often goes with introversion. I like to know what I'm going to say, know what I think. I like to take the time to properly evaluate a situation and figure out what the best way to move forward is. Mm. So it's, so like, as you were saying, Tennyson, it's more of the way that you're approaching situations rather than who you are as a person is that what you were is that what you were getting at before yeah i think it yeah sort of with the motivation idea Mm -hmm. like kind of measuring why we do things as opposed to what just like what do we do Mm. so it kind of goes almost a little deeper Um, there there's always a a core fear with the enneagram right and i i believe the one for the five is uh, fear of not being needed Mm. so part of I guess there's another one that I'm, I'm trying to remember now. So well, I don't we're know doing if that's some research. I think it's not being adequate. I think that's what it is. So according to my research here, it says um, the basic fear of fives is being useless, helpless, or incapable. Yeah, inadequacy. Right. Not, not measuring up. Uh, so like not being good enough, not knowing enough, not being capable. I I want to, if I, if I can't do something, I want to go figure out how to do it so that I am competent hmm. if I need to be, or I want to go research something so I can learn what I need to learn in order to properly understand it. So when you learned about your personality or not personality, when you're about your Enneagram number, did you look at that and go, Oh my gosh, that's me. This is helping me like understand myself or like, what was your, what's your perspective on learning what this website or this certification is saying about you? Is it like, Oh, this is just me or there are parts of this that I relate to some I don't 
I think I related to it pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I have a I I'd say I have a distinct personality. Like it's to me, it's pretty clear that I'm in this category. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I've heard from other people, they seem to be like, oh yeah, that that seems to match up with you. Um, so I guess I never really doubted that it wasn't me. Yeah, I just thought this information I'm hearing, it makes sense. It resonates with me. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll just see what else they have to say and. I mean, I I don't really disagree with anything that they say about fives. Yeah. And how would you say that learning about it's helped you? I think it's helped me to articulate like what my motivations are, what my values are. Like I've got these inner thoughts and like inner wants, like things I want to do. Like I want to be alone and process things. And sometimes it's hard for me to articulate that to people. Hmm. But knowing that I'm a five... And knowing that that's a value of the five, I can be like, okay, it's kind of, it's, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one who wants to go process things by myself. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm less of a human being because of that. Like this is a trait that lots of people share and people like me, we need this. So this is a necessary part of my life. It's part of what makes me the person I am. Hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting that you pinpointed like articulating that to other people. Because I think that's one of the main main benefits that it has for me. The for Enneagram sure. has had um, is just like re- relating with people um, and knowing, you know, what per- what a person's motivation is, um, like why they're doing this. Because from your perspective, if you put yourself in their shoes, you wouldn't you wouldn't do necessarily do what they're doing. But if you come at it from an angle of they have their own motivations for this that are not mine. But I can understand where they're coming from because they're they're different than me. Yeah, it's certainly I think what you're getting at here is it really helps you build empathy. Like mm. a lot of these uh, like th- there's different ones. I know there's like MBTI Enneagram. I've learned about the four temperaments in the past, too, which are sanguine, um, choleric, phlegmatic and melancholic. If you've ever heard about those. And I feel like more than anything, learning about them has given me an understanding that people approach things differently like what you're saying mm-hmm. and that when someone doesn't react the same way that i do that's just how life works right and i think sometimes it takes a while for people to reach that level of understanding mm-hmm. and i think learning about personality types in my past has sort of expedited my emotional growth because i've i feel like i've become more empathetic more quickly as i've applied analyzing other people through this personality type lens for me like the the four temperaments have been very helpful because it's only four types so i can very quickly at least for myself when i meet new people sort of identify things that are like uh, ways they're likely to approach approach problems or ways they're likely to need to problem solve like you're saying benjamin or just ways they need to process things and just by getting to know their like them as like a little bit i can feed that into something that just helps me empathize with them better which I feel like has been the best gift of learning about these at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it also is helpful because it helps you kind of figure out what is unique to your experience and what like, and what things are just general human experience Mm -hmm. urges, Mm -hmm. what are like, what, what is unique to my person versus what is, you know, across the board, all these people feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. Because with, with all these personality assessments, like people, people are complicated. Like you can't, you can't really be put into one type or one box. Like right. everyone displays 
parts of all personality types exactly. at some point. Like that's just how people are. Like when you take the Enneagram test, you see that you have bits of all of them in you. Right. Just more, some are, some, a few are more pronounced. And there's even ways you can connect. There's even charts that connect like when you're stressed, like nines will go to like a six or something. I don't know if that's right, but it's, <laughs> there's, there are ways that they're connected. So, so of course, Tennyson, we have to know what is your Enneagram type and how has learning about it helped you like process your, your own, the way that you approach your own problems. So out of, I've taken this assessment a few times and what I consistently get or have gotten is nine and the, with a secondary like seven. So nine and seven have always been like the highest types for me. Um, and I really relate to this basic desire of the Enneagram nine, which is the peacemaker, mm -hmm. um, which is to have like inner stability or like peace of mind almost and having like mental being able to remain calm like emotionally and a mental and mentally and i mean the the vice for nine is being slothful mm. and i definitely relate with that sometime as um if you've seen my the state of my room you would you would know <laughs> that's the case but check in uh podcast episode 10 about we the, talk about uh, uh, half-worn chair yes yeah. yes so yeah, I think it's it's definitely helped me to kind of know how I know how I operate or tend to mm -hmm. do in, in certain situations, um, and if it's you know if it tends to be more negative for a certain situation, I can know to combat it because I know I tend to be more lazy, and so mm -hmm. I just need to find ways to kind of keep me going and keep me being you know a functional human being. And I think it's also interesting growing up with you because we are very very different people. Mm -hmm. And I think as we've gotten older, we've kind of diverged a little bit, um, especially since I went to college. I've noticed that at college, I made a certain type of friend with with certain types of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, often when we were hanging out together at home, we'd hang out with siblings or we'd have friends who tended to be in the same groups. And part of that was the homeschool lifestyle of your, your friends with the family mm -hmm. uh, and you you know everybody in the family. But then since since that coming home in the last couple of years, I've noticed you've kind of spent more time branching out, going out to do things with your friends. And you've, you've kind of, I don't know, you've kind of grown into your own person without hmm. the shadow of your older brother who's a five and doesn't <laughs> want to go do tons of social things. Hmm. Hmm. Would you say that that's sort of accurate? Would you, have you even noticed that, you think? Or is it sort of just developed naturally over time? I think it's been very it's been very natural but it's i have noticed it mm -hmm. like i mean i mean this is kind of like t the typical younger brother thing but when i was really young when we were really young you know i would do everything that benjamin did right and that was just that that was normal like that's how it was like i don't have i don't have any sense of independence and when he's like when he went off to college and when he wasn't there like it was kind of like not like i'm on my own but like I can I I can get kind of kind of get to choose like more things that I get to do. So I'm not feels, influencing you. Exactly, right. You've so I kind of make, feel more autonomous make in a way. Your own social things happen basically. Right, right. So I definitely have noticed that. Yeah, something that you were saying earlier that stuck out to me was when you were talking about the peacemaker and like how that has a tendency for you to be like stubborn or um slothful. When mm. you said that that immediately made my brain click back to the four temperaments that we had been talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. 
And something that I realized is as I think with knowing multiple personality types, you can sort of see some of them line up because that number, that number nine in the Enneagram for me, and I'm, I'm not very familiar with Enneagram is lining a lot, lot up with the phlegmatic type Yes. for the four temperaments. Mm-hmm. And when I think about their strengths and weaknesses, I think of bringing people together as a strength. They're naturally built at creating harmony in a group. They're usually, um, the kind of social people that are more introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of their weaknesses tend to be stubbornness or apathy about things that they should care about mm-hmm. or like having trouble getting moving. And that's kind of like what you're talking about here, yeah. which I find interesting to see some overlap between these different types. Uh, and I wonder if knowing multiple of these personality type sort of assessments can is helpful because they have overlap between them. Do you think that's, do you think that's accurate? I think in general, like if you can, if you can get a more holistic picture of yourself without like diving super deep into one kind of assessment is really good. Like that's, if you can do that, like that and see those similarities, um, and help reinforce like this, okay, this test said this, and this assessment said this, and those line up. Like, I think that's really good to from those things and that definitely happens in like a lot of different assessments so would you mind i wonder if we could explain like those four temperaments a little bit more like just kind of give like a brief kind of like yeah description sure. of each one. so generally um the the four temperaments like i said before are sanguine um the sanguines are tend to be more uh think of it like a box so you can either be extroverted or introverted so the top row of the box is extroverted the bottom row of the box is introverted and there's okay. four quadrants. So top is extroverted, bottom is introverted. And then the left side of the box, the left two boxes are uh, people oriented and the two on the right are task oriented. So top left would be extroverted on top and mm-hmm. people oriented on the left. Okay. And uh, that's sanguine. Generally, those people are the people that speak the language of people and fun. Mm. So their strengths tend to be, you know, helping build group dynamics they have a lot of energy naturally very animated um tend to have an easier time of you know being like encouraging and those are common strengths you see them for them their weaknesses tend to be more like the the like doing that too much so Mm -hmm. um, dominating conversations interrupting all the time um you know not really fully knowing when to take hints from people (laughs) can sometimes be a (laughs) a weakness uh, the choleric is also extroverted, but they're more task oriented. These tend to be people that you think are like the bossy people because they're they're very natural leaders mm. um, and speak the language of like power and control in a really good way. Because mm-hmm. when you see really strong, mature cholerics, they are very adapted well or very very well adapted to handling like crazy chaotic circumstances yes. and are often people you can rely on and trust. We need those people. We need them. Mm-hmm. We need them. They, they make, like I said, they make great leaders, but often when they're, when they're weak, when their weaknesses look like just to that to the extreme, like I was saying for the past one. And that kind of goes for the, all the others. Melancholics at the bottom now on the bottom right would be introverted and task oriented. Um, so these tend to be people that are very introspective, deep and thoughtful, tend to be more artistic, mm-hmm. um, but can often be, you know, get in their own head about stuff, very easily anxious, um, overthink a lot of the time or struggle making good, good connections. Cause they just, 
they don't they don't but of course there's a lot more to this that i'm not really getting into and then the last one would be phlegmatic which i think you were sort of hinting at here which i kind of already talked about mm -hmm. which is people oriented this is the bottom left people oriented and uh introverted uh and these tend to be people that speak the language of uh harmony something like that or like a lack of stress but anyway yeah yeah that sounds that's right the, that's the idea and you think Tennyson is a sanguine? Um, uh, from what I from what I heard him saying, I think he more lines up with a with the phlegmatic temperament, with the secondary you said with seven, which is like the enthusiast, mm -hmm. which I could almost put him with the with the uh, sanguine. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, that's just one that I feel like I found just by meeting people, I can sort of push them into a box, and I think, and, and I think it's a stereotyping. It is, mm -hmm. but I think stereotyping is definitely a good first best guess stereotyping for different you know whether it's cultural stereotyping or even personality stereotyping i feel like al always people assume that's a negative and ultimately mm -hmm. it, can, it it certainly can be mm -hmm. but at first what it does is you say oh this person is giving me the energy of someone who i would guess is a sanguine and you can immediately take a first best guess about how they're likely to respond to a situation but of course being aware that that's not all they are they're not a right. perfect sanguine right. they have pieces of all the other temperaments with them as well but it helps you to go this is how this person's likely to respond help you empathize with them better help you work with them on a team better and then as you learn their individual strengths and their individual individuality then you can tailor that to them um, but that, i found that really helpful especially like in work and in team intensive environments that's interesting so you kind of hinted at kind of the negative side of mm -hmm. personality assessments what do you guys think are maybe some of the dangers of doing personality assessments and how you know how can we use them best without you know relying too much on them well i i think one of the the big criticisms of personality types or like of assessments is that people think it's all very general and it's it's very much like a horoscope, like you mentioned at the beginning, mm -hmm. where it's just telling you things that, you know, could apply to anyone or almost anyone. And I, I would say to that criticism that this is kind of like you were saying about, it's a ballpark. It gets you close to how people act. Um, and then also there's often these competing ideas of like, are you introverted or extroverted? It's kind of like, where do you fall? Mm -hmm. You have to be one or the other. Yes. Yeah. And so if you are one of these things, you fall into one of these categories. Now there's a different category. Which of those do you fall into? Which is kind of like the, the Myers-Briggs assessment a little bit, um, which has 16 types and it's made up of four letters. Mm -hmm. And each of those letters has one side or another. And it's like, where are you on the spectrum? Uh, are you like 90% introverted or 90% extroverted or like kind of in the middle? That sort of thing and so these categories kind of give you a place where you'll fall into one of these 16 categories not perfectly mm -hmm. but you'll be kind of in that general area and it's kind of kind of describing four different aspects of who you are based on are you more introverted extroverted are you more sensing or intuitive and so on yeah i think a key that you brought out there though is that it's like 90% extroverted. And I think the horoscope element of this can be when people think they're 100% of each of their right. four on the Myers-Briggs, right. right? Yeah. So like if, for instance, I am ENTP, that's what I've done. It certainly can change over time. I understand that. But 
that doesn't mean I'm 100% E and N and T and P. In reality, I'm like 80% E, 60% N, 70% T, mm-hmm. and you know 58% P or something. Yeah. So in reality, I have a lot of those other bits of those other types of the spectrum in me as well. So in reality, that like the the application of this knowledge has to be with the awareness that it you you can be more or less of each of these types and be, with more being more or less also means that you're more or less of the other type so i have more relative feeler than thinking than i do introversion to my extroversion which is super helpful and i think something that people miss a lot when they're when they're looking at these tests and you might relate to both sides and that that could be part of that criticism is like I relate to feeling and thinking. Um, and it's really trying to identify what's dominating. What, what, which of those characteristics do you kind of tend to either it, some, some of them talk about if you're in stress, some of them talk about like, what, what do you do naturally when you're comfortable? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's like, which of these is more prevalent? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, I think a danger potentially could be for someone to, try to act like their type i mean i guess this is speaking from more personal experience but if i'm if i've taken assessment and i you know identify as one of the types then i can try to act like that type almost which is not necessarily healthy because you know as we said before like you're not that that just that type like so i think that can also be another potential danger of it and that can certainly be a, a positive, also can certainly be a negative because when I did, you know, when I've done these tests in the past, I have seen strengths or things that come naturally to these types, whether it be career paths or just social strengths. Mm-hmm. And when I know that I'm supposed to be good at that, it's almost like I'm receiving the encouragement that this is attainable for me and that something yeah. that I'm not very skilled in should be something that I should be skilled in. And it almost becomes like a self-fulfilling thing for me because I, I think about it more and I put more attention to doing that. And naturally, yeah. I grow in that strength. Mm-hmm. And it's almost just like a more computerized version of, I think, encouragement. Because <laughs> when you have people encouraging you to, that you're, you can be competent or can be good at a skill, it functions, I think, much the same way. Yeah. And then you can also uh, look at like what your weaknesses are. Like each each personality type has some general weaknesses and mm-hmm. that's helped me to realize that hey as a 5 i tend to hoard information and hoard resources that i have and that's something that i didn't really think about mm-hmm. until i read that in my personality report and i was like oh yeah i do kind of do that mm-hmm. i do tend to keep things to myself i do tend to hold on to things that i already have not like a a pack rat or anything but mm-hmm. kind of like I think this this keeping this gives me security because I might need it later. Mm-hmm. So I've I've just kind of become more aware of my own weaknesses and have come up with ways to kind of push back on some of those failings that other people have seen in themselves and me being similar to those people should also watch out for. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a really good um really good reflection. And I feel like I've had the same thing too with weaknesses. Um some have almost become more pronounced in a way, but that sort of gives me the ability to, you know, be more attentive to that. I think a big one for me was, I remember taking this and I had the strength 
has energy and enthusiasm. And I thought I always hear that strength <laughs> when other people give me feedback for stuff. And it was like, that is something that I should be proud of. And that's something that a lot, a lot of people have. And that is actually a strength. And as far as weaknesses go, like interrupting and dominating conversations was one that really stuck out to me. I was like, yeah, I, I definitely noticed myself feeling guilty after that happens. And for someone to point out, like you're saying, that this is actually something that's legitimately a weakness that you need to put attention towards definitely helped me actually get better at that. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's not a weakness for everybody, but yeah. it should still be something that you're aware of mm -hmm. because that can be something that you may fall into if you're feeling stressed or tired or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so I was thinking as a way to wrap up this podcast, it could be fun for, because I'm not very familiar with the Enneagram types, but I know I'm an eight wing seven, right? Right. If we were to analyze the legitimacy of it right now live, um, if you could like look up eight wing seven Enneagram strengths, weaknesses, personality types, whatever. And cause I really don't know what they're going to say. If we could see if they are legit and I actually relate with them or if they're just horoscopes and they're not actually meant to be trusted. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So it. this is, uh, according to enneagramgift.com uh, describes, um, the eight wing seven. Uh, it says as a type eight with a wing seven, your personality can display characteristics of an Enneagram 7. On average, an Enneagram 8 wing 7 is more extroverted, lively, and impulsive in thought and behavior. The 7 wing can uh, influence an 8 to want to live their life to the fullest. Hmm. Would you say you, you, you relate with that general, general I would, overview? I would say I can definitely be um, extroverted and lively at times, uh, especially when I'm with other people. That definitely helps it more. Um, and my impulsiveness tends to increase again when I'm with other people too. So mm. that all sounds relatively legitimate. Uh, I'm not really sure about helping me live my life to the fullest. I think I sort of naturally have a drive for efficiency. Mm. Um, but that doesn't really seem to, but that feels to be more my drive for living life to the fullest rather than, um, it being because I just want to have fun, which I feel like is more the seven enthusiast type. But let's keep going. Okay, so let's uh, let's look let's look at some strengths of the eight wing seven. An Enneagram eight wing seven may find it easier to form friendships and relationships because the seven wings' influence can often temper an eight's strong characteristics. Additionally, sevens love to be around people. You are good at leading others with your persuasive ways and committed attitude. The seven wings' guidance enables you to develop innovative ideas to help you guide toward further success. Hmm. Well, that's a lot there. And that I feel like lot. that's hard for me to say whether that's accurate. Would you, being my friends, say that that is legit? I find you persuasive. Thank you. Yeah, I would definitely say, like, as I was reading this, a lot of it related to how I see you. Kind of, you're very persuasive. Um, you, you, you're good at leading others. And you kind of bring people in. And you're good at inclusivity. From an outside perspective, seems to be pretty accurate. Yeah, I would definitely say some of those are legitimate. And I'd say I've also heard that from other people. Um, I've heard people say some of those things too. So I appreciate your uh, feedback now. But I'd say, yeah, that, that seems much like the way that I interact, especially when I'm going have to have to be in a leadership environment mm -hmm. uh, and I have to lead. I think it, it can come sometimes naturally. And I feel like sometimes I can rely on my like convincing and persuasive skills sometimes to get me out of circumstances or environments where like I think I sometimes can rely too much on that and it can almost become a negative um, like I, I don't ever 
get stressed or anxious about having to try to prove my point. Like I never gotcha. like, I never go like, Oh man, I'm gonna have to defend this point here. Like that. I don't really experience that. So it seems like some of these with, with all these personality assessments, it's kind of some of these things can only be pinpointed by other people. Like you can't, you can't always know things about yourself just from, you know, doing assessments. You kind of have to, you know, ask other people, like, does this align with how you see me? Mm -hmm. I'm looking over at your computer right now and I saw eight wings, seven weaknesses. And Is that scary? I'm, no, no, it's okay. And we're gonna, I can't wait to get to it. But my brain, because I've been in music mode recently, um, read B minor seven instead. <laughs> so I thought I'd learn about the weaknesses of a B minor seven chord. And I was hyped. But no, let's hear about eight, eight wings, seven. Well, weaknesses. this is now this is boring compared to that. But <laughs> uh, the weaknesses are despite being friendly, an eight wing seven can often lose their temper because they can be easily impatient and frustrated. They can be blunt and hard headed. Sometimes they can say things without sensitivity, hurting others feelings. Eights with a wing seven tend to have difficulty listening to leaders because they would rather be in charge. Hmm. I would that that's interesting and feel free to share your own perspectives of me. But I would say that was definitely true of more of my younger self. Hmm. And I think as I've gotten older, I've definitely matured out of my um, bluntness to authority <laughs> um, or even impatience at other people. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not certainly a amazingly patient person mm -hmm. but i definitely think i've certainly improved as i've given attention to that too over time um and it's, i'm also now thinking that the last time i took this enneagram test was probably three or four years ago okay. which is when i probably would have related to these weaknesses more even though i wouldn't have really wanted to admit it but i genuinely do believe like i've gotten better at some of these at some of these um and i don't know whether that's the perks of learning about this personality of types and looking at these weaknesses and trying to change them or whether that's something as simple as gr growing up and just yeah. maturing. I think it's, it's probably just growing up and maturing because over time, if you are making an effort to improve yourself and make yourself better as someone in society, someone with other people who's functioning, then part of that maturity process is mitigating your weaknesses um, getting better at having someone in authority over you being better about listening and all that and I've, I've noticed some definite change in you over the years oh thank you you're headed in the right direction that's good that's good yeah and, and I think you're right I think a lot of it is definitely just growing up over time finding that as I get older but I do genuinely think that some of this maturity comes from putting special attention towards things that I understand our weaknesses about myself and trying to overcome those one thing that i feel like has really helped me more than a lot of other things has see, been seeing people in my life especially younger people in exhibiting traits that i see in myself that i find really annoying mm. <laughs> like that is one of the most efficient ways for me to get over a significant weakness of mine when i see someone else that really annoys me and they're doing literally what i'm doing and i see that and i go oh my gosh i do that all the time <laughs> that's so an i do that that's so annoying um which is like i like that's really i'd prefer to not learn things that way to learn wow I've, I'm, I'm like that all the time yeah sometimes um, you just need to see that though but sometimes you just need to see it and i feel bad about that sometimes but 
I mean, I'm, I guess I'm glad at the end of the day that, <laughs> that that's Don't be a way a hypocrite. to learn. Exactly. That, that's, that's still a way to learn. And I think for a lot of people, they can probably relate to that in more, in more subtle ways. For me, the, my weaknesses that annoy me the most are blatant things that people would attribute as annoying. But I think for other people, it could be, you know, I, I'm seeing this person not, you know, contributing or slacking off and this annoys me. Wait. I also see myself doing that. Hmm. Uh, I think mine for myself tend to be more pronounced and a bit more, a bit more obnoxious, a bit, a bit hmm. more obnoxious. Yeah. Well, those, those are some really good insights from both of you guys on, on this topic of personality assessments and yeah, that's going to, that's going to do it. any closing, closing thoughts from you guys. Do you think that was helpful? Hearing those strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, I'd say there's, uh, especially having context from other personality types too, like I was saying before, um, I definitely saw elements here that I think are legitimate to my personality. And this honestly makes me want to take the Enneagram test again Mm -hmm. to see if it's changed over time and to see if what I would have considered more my Enneagram when I was younger has changed and if those strengths and weaknesses have changed too. So I'll, I'll have to do that as my homework. They do recommend that you take it every couple of years just yeah. to, you know, especially with as an adolescent and moving into adulthood, it's like there's, that's a big change. So mm-hmm. especially, yeah, with college, a lot of changes are happening and you kind of don't know what you're really like until you get outside of your house. That's a good point. Well, I'll have to do that and report back when that happens. Yeah. Give us your, give us your homework. Mm-hmm. Well, Benjamin, it's been great having you on to discuss the deep intricacies of personality. Great to be here. Yes, Thank yeah. you so much. As always. I think sort of in conclusion, um, they're definitely helpful. They're really helpful for analyzing and building empathy and to improve in our own strengths and weaknesses that we have. Yeah. You know, it definitely can act as a horoscope for some people, but I think the point is that when it's used correctly, it is definitely a really helpful tool for helping us you know, interact with ourselves and with other people. Yeah, there's definitely a time and a place for it. Um, so yeah, that's our that's our conversation yeah. on personality assessments. Thank you for thank you so much for listening. This is it's been really fun to to keep doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you can relate with some of the stuff that we're talking about here. We'd love to hear about your personality types. And if you want to reach us, our work email is hbtakes at gmail.com and we'll see you in the next one. Yeah, peace. And I know. Okay, so you asked about (laughs) something's gotta change. So you asked about you asked about application, right? And I know. What? Yeah, I mean that's. I I would definitely. You can hear the semitones there. How did we get here? How did this happen? Achievement unlocked. That goes to the end.